All right. Hey, thanks you guys for uh, joining me once again on Called Out. Uh, this is uh, episode three, and I'm here with my friend Aaron. Um, Aaron is a, a friend of mine. I work with him in, in ministry. He is uh, the guy that's in charge of the youth group that I volunteer with. Uh, so that's just kind of a personal information up front. But Aaron, thanks for being here tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Awesome. Well, I, as always, I'm just going to have you start with, um, give me an overview, uh, a, a brief rundown of the things you've done in ministry, volunteer wise, vocational wise. What is it? What is the, what's your history look like? Yeah. So my, my history for ministry is honestly kind of all over the place. Um, I haven't, I haven't been a follower of Jesus for very long, to be honest. Um, I accepted Jesus into my life when I was 18 years old. I grew up in church my entire life, but um, for a long time, it was just just what I knew. It's what I believed. It, like I just always been around it. I didn't know any different. Um, so I finally accepted Jesus into my life for me when I was 18. Uh, and immediately after I accepted Jesus into my life, I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going into ministry. I, I got it. Um, looking back on it now, I can, I can give a lot of reasons as to why. Uh, I think the biggest thing is, the youth pastor that I had at the time um, really, really cared about me. Um, he poured a lot into me, a lot of time, a lot of effort. Uh, I was an annoying 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kid. Um, my first week on the job, actually, I called him and apologized to him because I know what kind of student I was. So um, looking back on it now, a start of my ministry was like, man, this if this guy can do this and, and change my life, I want to be that for somebody. Um, so I accepted Jesus in my life when I was 18, immediately went to uh, Bible college because I was of the understanding at that point that in order to be in ministry, you had to go to Bible college. And also at the time I went to the only Bible college that I thought existed in the entire country. So <laughs> um, I ended up at Lincoln Christian university, uh, studied four years in youth and family ministry Um also, the, the summer after I accepted Jesus, I started working at a summer camp just to get a little bit of ministry experience before I went off to Bible college, um, fell in love, like head over heels in love with ministry while working at the summer camp, continued to do that through college, uh, which led to uh, right after I graduated, I got an internship um, for my degree working at this, at this summer camp. Um, and when that was over, it was a six month internship. When that was over, I immediately offered a full time job. Uh, and I worked there for five years. So throughout four years of Bible college, five years of working at the summer camp, um, I told people until I was blue in the face that I will never, ever, 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 ever in my life ever do youth ministry inside of church. Uh, and now I'm two and a half years into being a youth pastor at a church. So um, my journey in ministry is about coming up on 12 years total um, working on, like I said, two and a half years of being a youth pastor within a church and uh, loving every second of it. So I actually feel like I've gotten a pretty unique experience of getting to, to see a lot of stuff, volunteering in places. I've gone on missions trips. I've served in um, homeless shelters. I've, you know, worked for a summer camp. I've worked for an inner city mission. I've, you know, served in all these places, but um, summer camp is really what rooted my passion and my love for ministry uh and it's just blossomed into it's it's a it's a huge passion it's such a joy of mine to be able to to serve as a youth pastor right now wow yeah 
So do you feel like it was kind of like this, you know, you kind of talk about you accepted Jesus. Um, and then you, from that moment forward, you kind of had like, okay, I'm going into the ministry. Um, was there ever like moments where you second guess that? Like, was there ever like, or, or was it, it just kind of was like, yep, where, whatever else I do, I know this is where I'm going to end up. Yeah. Um, I have second guessed myself often over the last 12 years. <laughs> I love what I do. I've loved all the experiences that I've had, but uh, it's been challenging. So uh, when I accepted Jesus into my life, it was a, a very similar, you know, I, I see it all the time in students now where you accept Jesus in your life, where you, you have this supernatural. I was at a winter camp, actually, um, accepted Jesus in my life, and I immediately came back just on fire. You know, I was ready to conquer the world with my passion for Jesus. Um, and I think that led directly into like, I want to pursue this as a career. Mm -hmm. um, I was all lined up, ready to go into engineering. Like that's what I was set ready to do. Uh, but um, I've had a lot of conversations with, with a lot of people, my mom being one of the biggest ones where mm -hmm. um, it's kind of interesting how my story relates so closely to the story of Jonah. Um, because even growing up in church, like learning and knowing and understanding so much, I had a lot of the head knowledge. I was missing a lot of the heart knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I felt this, this call or this drive to pursue my faith, even when I was young and I just kind of pushed it back and I let world desires and my friends and, and just being a teenager kind of take over that. Um, and when I, when I finally accepted Jesus into my life and, and accepted this bigger calling that he had, it was this like, I, I understand how Jonah felt, you know, you get this calling. It's like, no, not for me. You get this calling. No, not for me. Go to Nineveh. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Go pursue ministry. Heck no, I'm not doing that. Like I, yeah. I can't, um, right. I didn't know what it meant you know, I, I, right. I knew that it was there. I just didn't, I didn't know how to, I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. So, um, when I finally accepted that, accepted Jesus in my life, accepted that calling that, that was placed in my life. Um, it was, it was that like, in the grand scheme of Jonah, it was okay, I guess. Okay, Lord, I'll go to Nineveh. But like, ultimately he wasn't going to Nineveh. He was going the complete opposite direction. Right. Um, and even though I was going to Bible college, I was serving in, you know, in these areas, no desire to do what I felt God was calling me to do. I was still running away from it. Mm. Um, one of the things that I think is really unique about it is in those times where Jonah was even running from his calling and running from what God called him to do. He's going the complete opposite direction. The storm comes, he gets thrown overboard. He gets swallowed by the big fish. Uh, that sucked, obviously for Jonah. Nobody wants to sit in the belly of a whale. Right. Um, big fish. Sorry. Whichever yeah. audience is listening, whale, big fish, you know, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Um, but you know, that, that wasn't ideal for Jonah. Right. But at the same time, like I can guarantee that was the closest encounter he has ever had with God yeah. like he's a prophet and he had this beautiful encounter with God like what else are you going to do like you're sitting there having this encounter with God um, yeah. so even through Bible college when I was second guessing this calling knowing that okay I have to push forward when I was working in the camping ministry and I was loving it but mm. things kept coming up and I was second guessing it maybe I should have gone into engineering maybe maybe I should have been a teacher maybe I should go back to trade school you know, right. whatever that happens to be, like, I'm still for whatever reason pushing on and now getting to what I believe 
was my calling. Mm. I can see the beauty and the blessing of all of the things that happened, the second guessing, the working through the struggle, the, the blessings that came through that, that ultimately when Jonah was spit up on the shore of Nineveh and he did what God would call him to do, he honestly didn't care what the outcome was. He just knew he was following God's right. orders. Right. Uh, and I, I see a lot of that now of like, I care about the kids. I, I deeply, deeply care about the students that I see every single day. But I also get to wake up every day and think like, man, what, what an, what an awesome thing to say. Like God called me to this. He called me to do this. And, and I'm confident in that I don't have any, any question. Like even now the questions that I come up with is okay. If I'm not a youth pastor, like I have no idea what else (laughs) I would do. Right. I have no idea. So yeah. um, it's really cool looking back at that. Like it doesn't matter what kind of struggle and, and hard and questioning came from that. Cause all it did was draw Jonah closer to God. All it did was right. draw me closer to God and closer to what that calling was. Yeah. Um, so even in that second guessing, like there are still so many blessings that come out of that. Yeah. Yeah, man. It, it seems so. I think the thing that, that just jumps into my mind, almost a parallel, um, you know, is there's, there's this moment in the disciples lives um, where Jesus uh, feeds feeds the five thousand, and they uh, they cross over um, away from the crowd, and the crowd comes to find him, and Jesus is like, "I know your heart. You know you're here because you want me. To, you want me to feed you." And then he starts teaching, and 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 at the time for us, we're like, "Oh, well, yeah, we know what he's talking about." But but for the people, he's like, mm-hmm. "You know, you got to eat my body and you got to drink my blood." And and all the people left. They're like, "This dude's crazy." Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. Jesus looks at his, at his disciples and he's like, are you going to leave too? And, and, the, and, you know, they're like, where would we go? Like, Jesus, you're the yeah. only one that has like, I don't, I'm yeah. with the crowd. Um, I don't understand what yeah. you're talking about here. I don't get it. Uh, I, yeah. I, if I could go somewhere else, I would, but I can't, you know? And, and I think yeah. that that parallel for so much, like just hearing you talk about that, like, I, yeah. I don't have another answer. Like if this is, this is it. <laughs> Like, I right. don't know, I don't know right. all the details, but I do know this, yeah. like, this is, this is yeah. the answer. You have life, you have, you know, where I'm supposed to be. And, and so that's, I, I just Absolutely. hear that kind of that same way, you know, Jonah and, and that kind of a, almost a negative way. And I think the disciples in almost a positive way have been like, nope, I, I know you'll have life. Um, I know you're the answer. Yeah. I don't know anything else. I, I can't, I can't really see all the other things happening, but, but I know those things. Uh, right. So yeah, that, that's, Man, that's, we've that's seen cool. so many. We've seen so many, like, I mean, similar to the disciples, like, right. I, I can't fathom mm. being able to, with your eyes, with your ears, with your nose, with, with all of your senses, be able to see the things Jesus did and still be like, guys, yeah. why don't you believe? Right. And like, I can go back in the last 12 years and say like, because of this and this and this and this mm. and this, like I've, I've seen, I've tasted, I've heard, I've like, right. I know it to be true and I want nothing more than to, to tell other people about that. So even, even if I were to like, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm getting rid of the youth pastor thing. I'm going to go be an electrician. Like I still, (laughs) you you can't keep me away from, (laughs) from what, what I feel like God has called me to do. Right. Uh, But one thing that like, even in that, that I love to teach the students is you don't, you don't have to be a pastor 
to help people yeah. discover a relationship with Jesus. You yeah. know, you can be an electrician. You can, you can be a teacher. You can be a, a, a surgeon. You can pick up the trash on the side of the road and you can still help people discover who Jesus is. Uh, but I, I truly believe that my calling was to be a youth pastor. Yeah. Um, I, I did some of that when I was working at the camp, but what I was missing was that like, I'm going to introduce you to who Jesus is. See you next year. You right. know, like yeah. it, it's hard. Like you yeah. develop such a, like that's such an intimate experience. And then to, to not know what comes after that. Like I really struggled with that. So I, I was craving and, and being pushed and pulled into this, like, I, I need, I need to be in that, that long-term Right. That long game. Um, but like you asked in that question of like all the times that I questioned myself, if it weren't for, for people coming alongside me, uh, friends, professors, my youth pastor, um, coworkers, mm. my now wife, uh, like I would have, I would have ditched that long ago. And through that, seeing the power of discipleship is, is crazy. Like I, I knew as, as camp was ending, as my time there was ending, um, looking at what I was going to do next, like it was very clear to me that I need to invest in some term of, of long-term discipleship, mm. um, some way to make that happen. Because like, like I said, if it weren't for my youth pastor investing in me at 18, I wouldn't have accepted Jesus in my life like I did. If it wasn't for Neil Wyndham, I wouldn't have accepted, I wouldn't have continued going through college. If it wasn't for Freddie Johnson, I wouldn't have continued to pursue college. If it wasn't for Paul Mulholland, I wouldn't have continued to pursue ministry. If it wasn't for Clara, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done any of it. I would have dropped out of, you know, Bible college yeah. freshman year to come back and be closer to home. Like, right. but there was this constant pushing and discipleship and learning and growing that, that needed to happen. Um, and it, one of the other things I learned in college that I teach some of the students now that I think is so true to me, like, if you don't question, do you truly believe? Right. Like, do you truly own it? Is it a yeah. heart thing? Like, I, yeah. I want students to struggle with their faith. Yeah. What I don't want them to do is struggle with their faith and bottle it up. Mm. I want them to struggle with their faith and talk about it and learn from it. And same thing in, in this calling to ministry. Like, I, I've struggled with it at different times in my life. And I've questioned it and I've fought through it. And I've sought the help that I needed and the guidance that I needed. And people have always been able to point out the gifts and the passions and the callings in me that I couldn't see in myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hard thing, I think, because um, we, we gear so much of our uh, understanding of God and what he wants for us and his calling and, and like success. And, and so I think like questioning is hard because suddenly you, you're like, Oh, am I, am I, you know, illegitimizing, um, my choices? Am I like, do my doubts yeah. or do my struggles um, suddenly prove that maybe I wasn't like, I, I misheard. Did I, did I mishear God? Yeah. You know, did yeah. I, um, you know, and, and people, cause they, even sometimes like, uh, you know, you're like, oh, well, you know, people will tell you to pray about, you know, pray. Well, you should, you know, well, if you figure it should be a ministry, you should pray about that. Well, if you, if you have peace about that, then, then you know that, that God's in it. And it's like, yeah, sometimes but sometimes like god's in it and like i still i don't like ministry it's not always it, well it's rarely peaceful <laughs> like it's like it it's yeah, rarely yeah. handed to you with like hey here's some ministry and here's an extra dose of peace i mean there's some peace that, yeah. that exists within that but yeah. i mean it's a it really is a battle and a struggle and, and doubts and yeah. and all those things yeah. are part of it for sure. Those doubts and questions I don't see as lack of faith. I see doubts and questions as, as wrestling and pursuing faith. Yeah. Um, and the, I think one of the really hard parts about pursuing 
vocational ministry is, you know, like as an electrician, as a teacher, as uh, a surgeon, as a police officer, like, you know, that like, all right, there's, there's a decent chance that things are going to be hard. Right. You go into vocational ministry and there's an understanding that, that you are at war every single day. Yeah. And what's not fair is that that war often affects not just you, but the, the loved ones around you. Uh, and you're, you're constantly in this, like, where, where is my role in this? How do I, how do I turn on my pastor switch? How do I turn on my husband switch, my father switch, my son switch, my friend switch, like where, where do all those things come in? And there's the the spiritual battle and there's, I mean, there is so much that goes into it. Yeah. And I don't think there is any, any place in existence that can train you well enough for those types of things. Like you're going to go through med right. school and you're going to know that like, you're going to lose patients. You're going to have emergencies come up in surgery. You're going through the police Academy, you know, things yeah. are going to be hard. <laughs> like you, you know it, but you, you train and learn how to combat it. Yeah. That doesn't happen nearly as easily in vocational ministry. Right. Well, I, and I don't know that we even, I mean, so, you know, you talk about going to Bible college. I, I, you know, I did uh seminary even, and I, I don't know that um like, there's a rose colored tent, you know, that's what they say. You, know, you look at things through these, these rosy glasses, like, oh, it's going to be so amazing to be a minister. And it is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let's not, I'm not trying to downplay that, but you know, as an yeah. 18 year old coming out of camp, coming on fire, like your idea of what mm-hmm. you think um, ministry is going to be is idealized. It's, it's very idyllic. It's yep. very like, look at all the cool stuff that happens. Um, yep, that, sure. um, yeah, I think there there's that side of things where you're like, no, this is this is the hardest thing you're gonna do. Um, at times, mm-hmm. it's gonna tear your soul apart, um, and sure. all you all you're doing is just like holding on to Jesus. And so, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's like um, that's that's something that, um, and I don't know that you can, like you say, I don't know that you can plant, you can train. Like, how do you train somebody for that? Like how do you yeah. how do you yeah. get get somebody ready? Like in a classroom setting, right. it's it's almost right. like you can't. You know, you you try to prepare them the best, but um, yeah. but yeah, it's it's such there's a no, yeah. There's there's no amount of training that can prepare you for making a phone call to a parent at two o'clock in the morning that their son or daughter is harming themselves, yeah, or contemplating suicide, or has an eating disorder, or right. whatever, and then hanging up the phone call and not carrying the weight of like. Yeah. What do, now, now what? Like what? What's mm-hmm. happening? Like mm-hmm. it, there is yeah. no amount of training that can cover that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I think that's where you come back into like this is yeah, but I'm called for this. Like, mm-hmm. um, absolutely. Like, like you lean into that because, um, you know, and I think that's the flip side. If you're not called to it, like it's it's it'll it will eat you alive. It it will it will yeah. eat your life up because. I mean, I think you come back to that, just like the disciples, um, just like Jonah being like, hey, I tried. Like Jonah, you know, he's like, I tried to get away and I and I can't. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, tr- I tried really hard yeah. and it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and so you almost have this foundational thing of like, OK, all right, this is it. Like, I've got to be in this. I don't know. Yeah. I can't go yep. anywhere else. Um, so yeah. what, what what how do you feel like God is? um like you, you know, you started obviously in camp, uh, or started kind of like mm-hmm. with camp ministry out of college, kind of doing that and doing that at the same time. Um, and now you're doing youth ministry. How how do you feel like um, God is continuing to shape your call? 
Um, like, what is he doing to refine that yeah. in you? Um, and and like, what does that look like to to have a call that's kind of yeah. constantly being refined? Yeah, I think one thing that's kind of unique about um, about me and my story is uh, from the very beginning, I knew right up front that like I'm not elegant or profound with my words. Like I enjoy preaching and teaching. I enjoy, you know, diving deep into things, um, figuring out meanings and all of that. But like that's that's not my gifting. My gifting is is relational. Um, I I've known for a really long time that I can connect quickly with people and deeply and that it matters. Um, so what's really cool is, is the way that God has worked through these last 12 years of being involved in ministry in some type. Um, there's been a lot of like just unpacking and unearthing these things about relational Mm. dynamics that I just, I didn't even know existed. Um, my original call into ministry that like solidified it, uh, my first summer when I was 18 years old, I had a, a camper that I met that came out to um, came out to the summer camp I was working at. He was he was nine years old at the time. Um, he came out to camp. He was super quiet, super shy. He was in my cabin. We only had him Monday through Friday. He wasn't really talking much. Um, but by the end of the week, I got him. You know, he gets there Monday. Probably by the end of the day, Tuesday, a little bit Wednesday, he's finally answering questions and not just tagging along with the group and doing whatever. Thursday comes around and he'll respond to me. And so I can respond to other people for him. And like, we just, we built this close relationship. Um, end of the week, he left. Um, the next summer I came back and I worked again as a, as a summer counselor. Um, and one of the applications that came on, came in was this kid. Um, his name was Trevor. Uh, he was now 10 year old kid. He came in and he had requested me in his cabin. And like, that was already a big deal. Like we, we had known about him previously and knew that he wasn't this, the most social kid. Um, the fact that he built enough of a relationship, one that he wanted to come back to that he, he didn't even know I was there. He was just hoping. Right. Um, yeah. To a side note for that, if you're working in a camp ministry, even as a summer counselor, like the kids automatically assume you live there and you're there all the time. So you own, you, it's very possible and, that you own the camp. That's what I, that's what I always, exactly, that's exactly. what I always get is like, so you own this camp? I'm like, no, 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 exactly. No. <laughs> exactly. So he came back, he requested to be in my cabin um, that summer as a 10 year old boy, he accepted Jesus into my, into it, into his life. Um, so I'm now about a year and a half into being a believer myself hmm. Um maybe have led two or three other people to Jesus before this and my limited knowledge of what I knew about that. Um, and then this kid comes in, you know, his second year, he wants to accept Jesus into his life on a Thursday night campfire night at, at summer camp. Uh, and we did, you know, we, we talked through it. We understood what it meant that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. And he died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And we worship a risen Jesus. And, um, uh, you know, all of the things related to that. We, we prayed together. Uh, and it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. Um, he left that, that week, giving me a big hug. Thanks, Mr. Aaron. This was the greatest week of my life. Mm, yeah. I'll see you next summer. Mm. He just automatically, I didn't know what my plans were. I'll see you next summer. I'll see you next <laughs> summer. Um, so this would have been, you know, sometime in June or July of, of 2013 um, and probably end of August early September time, um, I'm at college and I get a phone call that, uh, tells me that, that Trevor was walking to school that morning and he was hit by a truck and was Mm. killed walking to school. Uh, and that absolutely crushed me. 
like destroyed. I just remember laying in my bunk bed at college um, in a cement block dorm room full of, I mean, I had four or five other men in my, my dorm and I'm just, I'm sobbing laying up there. Like I'm mad at God. I'm angry. I'm, you know, I'm doing all the, like, God, how could you let a 10 year old boy hit by a truck? Like it was Mm. the first like trial that I really felt like I had to face as, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. And like it, it tore me up for a couple of days. And what I kept getting reminded of over and over again, and it, it was interesting how God works through, through other people, through messages, through professors, through mentors, whatever, like some people had no idea this was even going on, but the ways that the, the whole thing of like the, the promise and the hope of salvation just kept coming up over that, that course of that week and just getting that constant reminder of like, yeah, it's not fair. It's hard. God, God wants your rage just as much as he wants your praise. Mm. But how, how powerful, how amazing is it knowing and confidently knowing that he's living in paradise with Jesus because of a relationship I was able to build with him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I had that opportunity that he didn't get with anybody else. Right. Like I, I had that opportunity that I got to spend with him. Um, yeah. I, I found out that through through his passing, the like organs that he was able to donate saved the lives of many other kids. Uh, yeah. Because that's what his family chose to do. Like that, mm. it's not fair. But like after that that moment and that that hope and that that promise of what salvation is, it it was cemented in my mind that like. Uh, this is the most important work that that can be done right now. Right. Like I, I have to do this. I have to. Yeah. Um, so through that, that purposeful connection with that kid, like God has really from that point on pressed hard on my heart to say like relationships matter, mm. connecting with people in a deep way matter, knowing what is going on in people's lives matter. Like it, it's not just about, Hey, how's it going? Jesus loves you. Like there's way more to it than that. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not discounting any of the, like I went to church for the first time and I heard the preacher and I accepted Jesus in my life. And now yeah. I'm going to be like, that happens too. Like I, right. there, there's right. power in that as well. But mm. for me, like, because of how I accepted Jesus through deep relationship and then God using a deep relationship through me and connecting with this other kid, like I've known since day one that like, if I'm going into this, people matter big time. Yeah. So it's really cool to go back and see all of these giftings of like, I'm an extrovert. I, I love being around people. I love connecting with people. I've, I've, even as a little kid, I love that. Mm. But how important that is now being involved in ministry, that that just like the more that I get to do it, the more I get to around, be around people, the more that matters. Um, and God's been using some really cool avenues to, to connect with some of those, those relationships. Um, I think a lot of people in today's society bash on technology. I have way more connection with my students now than I ever did with my youth pastor when I was a student. Yeah. And just a quick access that, that uh, with appropriate boundaries, obviously sure. um, that are there to, to for a kid to be able to call me at two o'clock in the morning and say, Aaron, I'm struggling. Right. Or a kid to call me and say, Aaron, I just got a job. Like I, I passed my, my driver's license test. Like, yeah. Like, you know, the, I made, I made the baseball team, those kinds of things, like right. the, 
the relationship built in that is is crazy. I had a couple of students the other day tell me that um, on their in case of emergency contact on their phone, they've got their mom, their dad, and me listed on there because if something happens to them, they want me to know. <laughs> so that was one of those like, right, great, that's yeah. a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. In that, in that refining, like God has really just made it so clear that that people matter. Um, that and focusing on relationships as they're present in front of you matter. Um, I take it very seriously that that interactions that I have with people may potentially be the last. And mm-hmm. what what is it that I want them to know? What is it that I want them to hear? Yeah. If that's the case, I tell people all the time. I tell students all the time that I'm proud of them, that I love them, that they're enough, that they're they're capable, that they're strong, that they can do it, that Jesus loves them, that they're more than you know, just a volleyball player. They're more than just a, a dirt biker. They're more than just a musician. Like they're, they're, they're a child of God. Like it, yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the most interesting thing that I've come back to because I was, I, uh, you know, did youth ministry for a while and then camp ministry for a while. And those are different things. And you and I both know that they're very different. And then yeah. one of the things come back to is just the, you know, the, uh, for me, like the fact that, yeah, you have, uh, such a like something that I never experienced, which was just like every kid has a cell phone and like you have their cell phone. And so you can call them, you can text them, they text you. Um, and, and mm-hmm. that's just, um, you know, it's a double-edged sword because uh, obviously there's some uh, social ills that have come from having the so technology and so mm-hmm. much stuff at our fingertips, but just that, um, that access to be able to be a, a support um, and, mm-hmm. and to be, easily reached um you know yeah um it's it's good and bad but that's one of the things that i think is is uh one of those shifts in ministry that as i came back and started looking at us like wow that's that's very different yeah for sure i i have a lot of a lot of boundaries put in place for it uh for good measure right right. um but i also like one of the things that's yeah one of the things that's beautiful about it is I can have a high schooler tell me on a Sunday night that they've got a huge test coming up on Thursday and I can real quick throw it on my calendar and like Thursday morning I can wake up and I can send them a text and say, Hey, I'm praying for you. Yeah. I, I pray for, for calm nerves. I pray for, for focus. I pray for, you know, recollection of the hard work that you put into this. I pray for um, whatever the outcome is that, that you can be confident knowing that you, you did your best yeah. uh, and stuff like that means a lot. You know, it's not just a passing statement that they say to me on a Sunday night. Like I take that to heart. I want them to know that like, yes, I, I am praying for you. I'm thinking about you. Uh, I want you to know that, 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 that matters. Like I said, it's not just a passing statement. It's not just a, Hey, pray for me. Like, okay, you got it. I will. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's, that's, uh, yeah, that's big because it's it's just a reminder that um, it's another data point, you know, in someone's life, another relationship. I don't want to call it just data point, but another relationship to remind them that they they are they matter, and, and not just to mm-hmm. you know the parents that you know. Sometimes it's like, well, I have to matter to my parents. They, you know, yeah. they 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 created me, so here I am. But that right. that they matter to other other adults, other Christians, um, you know, uh, youth ministers. Just that somebody that they're lovable you know, that they're able to be loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's sometimes hard yeah. for kids to even wrap their, you know, heads and hearts around, um, that they, that mm-hmm. they are lovable. Yeah. 
I, I've discovered that, uh, like you said, parents are, are supposed to love their kids. When mm-hmm. a parent doesn't love their kids, it's a whole nother level of trauma that we work through. Yeah. But in a, in a situation where parents are supposed to love their kids, there's no way they're going to comprehend and understand that the God of the universe that they can't see or touch or can confidently know exists can love them if they also can't understand that somebody else outside of their parents loves them. Yeah. You know, you, you have to start foundationally somewhere. And if I can show them that, that I love them and that they matter to me and that no matter what they do, I'm going to support them and love them unconditionally and actions have consequences and we'll work through them as they come. But right. I right. love you and I support you and I'm here for you unconditionally. And guess what? Jesus does too. And his love is way bigger than mine is. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man. That's, that's awesome. Um, and, and I think so much, that's the answer that so many people are looking for, uh, you know, in today's world is just that, that, that unconditional love that, that they don't believe can, mm-hmm. can exist. Um, yeah. and, and yet, you know, when we get to be the, the image bearers, we get to be the, the carriers of that in our, in our clear jars and get to pour that out on, on, uh, everybody we meet if we take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me let me shift gears a little bit here. Um, yeah. And um, for, uh, for each each time I do this, um, I, I like to ask a little bit different question. So for you, I I, I did prepare you beforehand, so I'm not just bringing this on you. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, as a gotcha question, but but um, there's there, and we've talked about it. There's many things about ministry that are great. Um, what what are some things that you find um, that you have found to be most frustrating? or things that you see um, as frustrating uh, that you've experienced, things that you see, things that you know, um, anything along those lines for, for you in, in ministry, what, what frustrates you? Yeah. Um, so I actually feel like uh, I think the easy answer for a lot of people in this position is like you're working with students and, you know, you middle schoolers and high schoolers and they do uh, um questionable things uh a lot of times and you know there's this stereotype that that youth ministry is at the bottom of the totem pole and all of that but like what has been so cool is like i haven't experienced any of that um so some of the stereotypical like oh you're a youth pastor of course that's frustrating kind of thing like most of that stuff doesn't exist Uh, but what i have found out uh for being a youth pastor what is what is probably the hardest Thing about vocational ministry. Um, actually, I've got two that I think are tied. So okay. sorry to break the rules. No, do it. Um, number one is uh, ministry is very lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's youth ministry is very lonely because all of my connections that I have within my job and a lot of my time spent outside of my job are with kids between the age of 11 and 18. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um as far as building deep connections within a church family, it's really hard to do. Um, there's a, a, a line that you have to walk even between connecting with the student's parents. So you're not breaking trust of the students that you're building a relationship with, thinking that everything they tell you, you're going to go around and tell their parents because you're friends with them. Um, even parents in some regard trying to say like, oh, I'm friends with my kids. You've passed. You're like, I'm going to, I'm going to know all the things that are going on. Right. Um most of the time, even on a, on a event going on at our church, like I am either approached by, or it is my number one goal to go find where the students are at, because that that's the connections that I'm making. Um, so I occupy so much of my outside time and my work time doing that. 
that it's really hard to make connections elsewhere. Um, so the, 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 the personal filling and the personal um, outside of work time connections have been way more challenging than I expected it to be. Mm. Um, number two, which I think is, I think a lot of people could say this one. Uh, my, my spiritual disciplines of things that I, at one point in time found as enjoyment are laborious and feel like part of my job. Mm. Um, I'm working really hard trying to combat those, but reading my Bible and prayer is like, I'm expected to do it because of, of being in vocational ministry. Like, I think like in your position as somebody who serves in a student ministry role, like, yeah, that'd be nice, but there's not that like, well, I get paid to do this kind of right. thing, you know? Um, but in my job, like if I were to go in and be like, yeah, I've just decided that like, I've read enough of the Bible and I've prayed enough. Like, I just, I don't need to do anymore. Like yeah. good luck trying to keep my job. Um, and you know, the, the hard part about like what I do is like, yes, it is a job and I get paid for, but it's more than that. It's a passion and it's, yeah. it's a love. Like I have people question all the time. Well, if it's a passion, you like, you probably shouldn't get paid for it. Like, no, I'm, I'm going to get paid for it. I spent enough time doing it. I'm going to get paid for it. Um, mm-hmm. I heard a, I heard a sermon a year ago um, that has really, really stuck with me. There's a story in, um, oh, for the life of me, I can't remember what book of the Bible it is, but um, the, basically this, uh, so there you go about you know, being a pastor and, you know, sometimes I don't know my stories in the Bible. It's in there. Um, it's in there. But the, right. It's in there. I promise. So the story was built around uh, when, when King David came into power. Um, mm-hmm. One of the first things that he wanted to do was return the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Yeah. So he got this big caravan of people together and he went uh, to fetch the Ark of the Covenant and it was being held in a priest's home. So he, he appears in this priest's home. He speaks with the priest. The priest has two sons. Um, David and his his caravan load up this the Ark of the Covenant. They put it on a on a newly built wagon. They've got one ox that are carrying it. They they take it with them. The priest sends his two sons. Uh, and as this Ark of the Covenant is going through one of the thresholds of the palace, it the ox stumbles and the cart shifts. And one of the priest's sons reaches his hand out and he he steadies the Ark of the Covenant and he's struck dead immediately. And like, as this pastor is going on this sermon, I was like, all right, where the heck is this dude going with this? I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. Um, but as he started to unpack it, like the power of it has just stuck with me so heavily um, where he was talking about these, these priests, uh, the priest and his sons, like his sons grew up living with the Ark of the Covenant, one of the most holy and sought after artifacts of the Christian world. Like. Yeah people in today's society are still trying to discover where the Ark of the Covenant is, what is in the Ark of the Covenant, how to like, where, where's it at? Right. But these priests, these, the priest's sons grew up with it in their house. Like he made this joke about how like in classic brother fashion, they would probably like wrestle and they like one brother, like take the other one's head and like push it all up against it. Like, I'm going to tell dad that you touch the Ark and like they're playing hide and seek around it and Mm -hmm. tag and oh yeah, try Mm -hmm. to come get me, touch this and you'll die. Um, Right. So then when it, when it came time to move it, they missed all kinds of things that were supposed to happen in order to do it properly. The biggest one being don't touch it. Right. Like it, that was in an old Testament law. Don't touch it. Yeah. Yeah. So when they did and they neglected all of these things, you know, that 
bad happened. You should have had more ox. You should have had a more sturdier cart. Like you right. could go back and track all of these things that should have been different, but ultimately this priest's son touched it and it struck him dead. Um, but the, the whole point of that is don't let what is holy to others because become common to us. Mm. Like that was the theme of the whole thing. Yeah. So what, one of the things that, that's hard that I'm trying to combat every single day is scripture and a relationship with Jesus and prayer and fasting and worship and all of this stuff is holy to people that aren't in vocational ministry. Yeah. And just because we are called and, and are blessed to be serving in vocational ministry, don't let that holy experience become common to us. Mm. Um, so that frustration, that constant battle is like, how, how do I make my time with Jesus impactful and personal and meaningful? Um, not just, oh, I opened my Bible this week, you know, these last three days because I wrote a sermon. Like, right. yes, that's great. But like, I'm in Bible reading plans. I'm having to, you know, do things for enjoyment for coming out of scripture because I need to. Right. Um, so trying to not make the, the Bible a textbook, trying to, like I said, don't let what is holy to others because it become common mm. to us just because yeah. we're in vocational ministry. Mm. Man, yeah, that is... That's, that is, it's so, it's such a real struggle um, because, you know, like you said, if you're not in vocational ministry, um, you go, you know, nobody, you say, oh, you know what? I just, I, I've just, I've been off. I haven't, I haven't prayed. Yeah. I haven't really gotten my Bible and people are like, oh, don't worry. You'll get it next week. Yeah. But you know, the pastor's yeah. like. You're busy. You've been saving yeah. people's lives. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the pastor's like, yeah, I just haven't been praying lately. Like. Oh, uh, we have some questions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I haven't opened my Bible in the last yeah. three weeks. Yeah. Like you've preached to us. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. So it's there's there's a heavier burden and a heavier expectation. Yeah. So even in that spiritual disciplines, like in some regard, it's a spiritual requirement, but there's mm -hmm. another level to it that still needs to be a spiritual discipline. Yeah, and I, and I think like another like aspect of that. Um, that I that I often see and and I think it's hard that people don't think about too is that um, you know your uh, because your identity is wrapped up in what we do in America and that's just the way it is like I'm not saying it's good I'm not I'm not endorsing mm -hmm. that that's what it is but it just it just is like you are a pastor and that becomes part of your identity because one of the, what's the first thing we ask when we meet somebody oh hey you know what's your name oh hey what do you do you know and so so yeah. much of your value in our in our culture mm -hmm. rests in that and and it's easy to get that twisted um with god even to be like have i done enough or did you know um oh i'm doing this because um, not, not because it's holy, not because it's a passion, but because God doesn't love me if I don't, you know, if I'm not doing, uh, you know, I'm a, you know, God, God, you know, and then on the, on the flip side of that, and just to add a little bit more into that mm -hmm. is that we also are like, am I being successful? And ministry is so hard to judge ministry. Like you, sometimes you don't get to see like the seeds you plant, the the fruit that you mm -hmm. that you that gets harvested, you know, Paul talks about it like watering. You're just there to you're the waterer, you know, you're just there, you're pouring mm -hmm. water on it, but you'll never see the plants, you'll yeah. never see the harvest. That'll be somebody down the road, and you may or may not even yeah. hear about it. Um, and so it 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 gets wrapped up into 
um, like your job, um, like it's, there's no, there's just no separation. And, and that there's some joy in that. Like sometimes like, that's amazing. Mm Like, -hmm. yeah, I get to, I get paid to hang out with kids. That's pretty cool. Um, but on the flip side of that, it, it amplifies a lot of those other things of like, yeah, but I need to make sure that Yeah. I'm taking care of the business I need to take care of. And it does, Right. sometimes it is, it's that's like, this is my job. And, and so like, you can lose, like, you definitely can lose yourself in that, uh, like doing, like, Yeah. have I, have I prayed enough? Have I, have I read enough? You know, am I, am I doing Yeah. enough for my job? And then it's like, is that really Yeah. the relationship you want with God? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, I occasionally to run into that, like, Hey, can you fix my kid? Hey, can you, um, can you do this kind of thing? Like, Yeah. you know, I run into those things, but like without like the, those are, those are so minor compared to like the struggle that comes through the, the fighting, the loneliness and fighting the, Yeah. the continuing to, to see what is, what is truly holy. Yeah. Um, It, it's really challenging to stand up every week, you know, two times a week and to preach to fifth through 12th graders about, you know, put your trust in God and then me myself not believe it. Hey, you should do Bible reading plans and then me not doing myself, you know, <laughs> right. like Yeah. where you, there, there is that, like, I want to do it and I have to do it, but I want that want to do it to be a higher drive. Right. Um, Yeah. It, it's And it always can be a, it, that's a, that's a battle. and it can be a struggle and that's okay. Like I, I you know, Mm just because you struggle -hmm. Yeah. with it doesn't mean it's bad. Um, Right. it, it, it Right. is, it's, it's real. Like, I mean, that's just, I, I think Mm -hmm. that Paul, like we, you know, we talked about a, a few uh, Saturdays ago with like the, with Paul and Romans where he's like, I know what I want to do. Like I want to do those things, but Yeah. I don't do the things I want to do. Yeah. And I do the things I don't want to do. Right. Um, and, Right. and that's the struggle. Like, and, and just because you, you know, put on the hat of youth minister or pastor or ordained, or, or I have a Bible degree, you know, I have a master's degree. I'm, I have a theology degree. None of that takes away that struggle. Um, like Mm -hmm. Right. that God's not like, Oh In some regard, in Yeah. some regard, that amplifies it. Yeah. Like Yeah. four years of Bible college, every single class that I took in four years of Bible college, it listed the ESV study Bible as a textbook. Yeah. Like Yeah. I, my, I accept Jesus into my life at 18 years old and go off to college <laughs> a few months later. And then all of a sudden the Bible is my textbook. yeah. Yeah. And you've got to do it for classwork. You've got to read it for Yep. uh, a grade, <laughs> learn it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. And it's, and Yep. it's not like, like God goes, Oh, you're a, you're a, you're a pastor, you're a minister, you're called to be a, uh, any of these, these things, teacher, whatever. It's not like, he's like, all right, I'll like the, I'll make the struggle less for you. He's like, no, Right. it's going to be as much or harder. I know you read and study for a sermon. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. I, I It's think your first, it's definitely there. yeah, I was going to say, I think your first thing is something I noticed a little bit about like, um, one of the transitions out of camp life, like camp is so much community, um, especially in the types of camps that we served in, where we lived on the campground year round, um, I mean, eventually you did. I know <laughs> not, you didn't start Mhm. Mm that way, but eventually you did do that. mhm. Mm mhm. Um, and there's just so much a natural community that's built there. Um, and then also it's just hard to find, um, you know, as a pastor, 
uh, it's hard to find relationships in your church that you can be real with. Um, and yeah. that's, you know, and, and that's even not even, I mean, you know, you've got the kids, you, you know, there's a certain boundaries there that you're obviously not going to share yeah. certain parts of your life with, um, certain, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's parents that again, same thing, you're just not going to share, yeah. um, the fullness of the struggles that you have. And, um, yeah. but then even within that, like just other church members, there's a, yeah. um, there's a wisdom, uh, to, to just like, you don't need to pour, uh, all of your junk out in front of yeah. every random church member that you have. And so, right. so there, there's right. just a struggle there of, um, and then, yeah. and then on the other side of that, like, um, sometimes as ministers, man, it's, you just need to like complain, <laughs> like you mm -hmm. just, for sure. Like you just need to, 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 to be, to be David in the Psalms and be like, God, um, these, these yeah. kids are terrible. These, you know, this, this yeah. is, um, you know, my, uh, my boss is, you know, the worst guy yeah. in the world, you know, you know, and, and be able to say some of those things, right. and you just can't right. do that. in the con the, a lot of times in the con confines of church community, because you, you can't, right. You can't be that way. You <laughs> like automatically you <laughs> never, you automatically negatively affect their perception of, right. of other people or other things that are going on, you know, right. like just by being a pastor of the church, like. It doesn't matter if I'm the pastor of the fifth or twelfth graders, and I build this relationship with somebody who doesn't have kids at all, but right. are close to my age. Like they still see me as like, oh, you're the pastor of the church that I go to. There's there's a different there's a different level that that I'm I'm seen at or expected to be at. Right. Um, and like you said, like I feel like there is a major chunk of my life that. I have to be guarded and reserved with in building that relationship. And that's hard. Like I, yeah. I want to be in a, if I'm building a friendship or a relationship with somebody, like I want to be vulnerable and open and be able to confidently and comfortably share all aspects of my life. Like faith is important to me. So like the things that I want in a friendship is like, I want to be able to talk about faith and family and, and life. Right. You know, and yeah, with in some regard, building relationships with church, with other people that attend the same church as me, like, I can talk about family and life, but like work and faith are, are things that I have to be super guarded about. There, there are things right. that I know about people because of the nature of my job that don't ever go anywhere, but with me. And like, even in times that comes up as like, all right, I have to be even extra guarded in this relationship or, mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. the the natural position or the natural tendency of my position is oh you're a pastor let me tell you about what i'm struggling with yeah and i get a lot of like all right let me listen to you <laughs> um <laughs> i'll go find somebody else to talk to sometime you know yeah uh so as as that that's in in a lot of ways it's a major blessing like i can be that for somebody right. um but i i just kind of settled in the the fact that like at this stage that I'm at right now in my life, still feeling like I'm relatively new to ministry and my faith. Um, the size of church that, that I work at and I serve at, like I just, my, my loneliness has to be combated outside, outside of the building. Right. And I'm okay yeah. with that. You know, I can build deep relationships with fifth or 12th graders and have, have good relationships with other people that go there. Um, but it's not super often that I will call, you know, somebody else from there as one of my closest friends. Like right. there's, there's a whole nother level that has to hit in order to get there. 
Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's not, yeah. And, it, and I mean, there's, it's just a different kind of realm um, than just, you know, if you go, like you said, if you're a, like an electrician, um, like there's a different realm of that, um, that you can even leave work at home or, or not work at home, but leave work mm -hmm. and go home. And, and with yeah. ministry, you just, you can't um, in so many ways, yeah. especially with students, they're yeah. in school till about two to three o'clock. And yeah. if I get off work, you know, leave the office at four, most of my communication with them is just starting. Right. Volleyball games and basketball games and baseball games and football games and plays. And like, yeah. that doesn't happen at 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That's or why I've does, never understood. I've never understood people who are like the, the youth minister should be in the the church office from nine to five. Like I've never understood. Right. Like I'm okay with saying, Hey, the youth minister is going to have some office hours and he's going to be there for yeah. those office hours. But like, right. Like he needs to be like his 40 hours majority. That's going to be in the office. Like, and you're going, yeah. Okay. But what about like, no one, right. <laughs> most of the kids are at school. Like, what do you, you know, there's, right. some, there's some prep right. stuff you got to do. I get it. And, but and but in, just today's, to be there. in today's world, in yeah. today's world, getting in schools during that time is, is hard. Yeah, it is so hard to get into schools. Like I yeah. used to have my youth pastor show up at our school and drop a couple boxes of pizzas on the table and say, let's right. hang out. Right. Like you just walk in, like yeah. I've got to get clearance. I've got to get a certain mm -hmm. amount of time. weeks notice. I have to talk yeah. to the right people. I have to get background checks. Uh, I've had schools tell me no, that they just don't let people come in right. um, because of the safety concerns, but also like people are just cracking down on the faith in schools thing. Like I'm not, right. I won't say a word about Jesus. I just want right. to, I just want to eat pizzas just wanna, with these kids. want to hang out with kids. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's, it's so much, I mean, there's so much pressure. Yeah. I, it, it is a, uh, it, it's, so it's, it's just one of those things. Yeah. I, I, finding that community, finding that, um, you know, finding those friends, um, and, and, and just finding, you know, the time then to set aside for your disciplines and to, and to be dope. Cause you almost have to be doubly disciplined because you gotta, you're preparing. So you gotta do well at that. Yeah. Um, but that's not really your devotional time. That's not really your, you know, your, yeah. you know, it's a double, double thing. So both those things, man, I agree. Super, super difficult within ministry. Well, let yeah. me give you one more question yeah. um, to, to yeah. answer, to, to chew away at here. Um, yeah. If you were, if you were going to give advice to either, we'll do an either, we'll do a both end. Um, and you okay. can, you can, you can answer this in different ways. Uh, if you were going to look okay. back and you, you, you have, we had a magical device to take us back to Aaron, um, as he's accepted Christ, he's about to, he's saying, yeah, I'm all in on ministry. What would you go back and tell him? Um, and then secondly, and kind of maybe similarly, what would you tell someone who isn't for sure? They don't know if they're feeling, feeling called to vocational ministry, um, but they want to, they think they might be, what advice would you give them? So, so advice for yourself a little bit, but also just if you yeah. knew somebody, they said, Hey, I'm feeling, maybe I'm feeling called to do ministry. What advice would you give? Yeah. Um, I think advice to myself going back, um, would to be, would be to, I, this is going to sound super, super millennial of me. That's okay. Um, you are millennial. <laughs> uh, would right would be to go back and to just just chill, just you know, trust that that God has it mm. has it worked out. Like it's there, dude. Like I wish I could, I wish I could just be even even telling myself now, like to just to just chill and to like trust God. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think I spent so much time trying to be and do a certain way and trying to fit a mold and trying to, um, even now, like just trying so hard to please certain people and have it done a certain way. Um, and ultimately like we only have so much control in what we're doing. We only have so much, especially in the work that we're doing. Like I can introduce people to Jesus. I can tell them till I'm blue in the face about Jesus, but I can't make people choose to follow Jesus. Like I had, I had a professor in college tell me we can, that whole saying is you can't, you, you know, uh, I don't even, I, I don't even remember how the original saying goes. Cause it's stuck into my head how he goes, but like you can lead a horse to water and you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Like you can entice them with everything that you have. Like you can, right. you can lead a horse to water. You can give them a salt block. You can run them till they're exhausted, but ultimately they're going to be the ones that have to decide to drink the water. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to just, just be me, be, be confident in the person that, that God has created. Um, and to just chill and know that, that God's got it figured out. Yeah. Uh, I think it would have taken a lot of stress off of Bible college. It would have taken a lot of stress off of the camping ministry, you know, um, in the camping ministry. Uh, I think like, you know, we're, we, we have to be caught up. We, we're fundraising for most of it. You know, yeah. we have like numbers are important. We have to be caught up in numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as mm-hmm. a, as a summer counselor, and even as somebody working full time there, like I was so caught up in like, well, how many, how many salvations do we have this week? How many first time dedications did we have? How many people returned for the first time? Like, and I, I oftentimes lost the power of like, wait, we had, we had 60 kids come out and we had somebody accept Jesus in their life. Like that is amazing. Right. Like praise God. Yeah. Um, and I missed out on a lot of that cause I was just so caught up in like having to be in like these expectations that I was carrying on myself. Yep. Um, yep. So telling myself, like I said, to just chill, to just trust that God's got it. Um, to just do, do what I feel like I'm called to do and to just be confidently be who God has created me to be. Um, I don't have to fit a certain mold. I don't have to do a certain thing. I just, I'm me for me. And that's who God called to be. So, um, yeah, I think in that, and I think, uh, for somebody else that's, that's going into it, I think a lot of it would be similar. I think it's really hard and you know, if I were to meet somebody who was also 29 years old, trying to decide if they want to go into student ministry, if I were to just go up to them and be like, dude, just chill. God's got it. Like <laughs> that's not helpful. Um, as much as I want them to believe that that's not yeah. helpful. I sound like yeah. a hippie when I do that. Um, but it's all good. Man. I, I think when it came right and you just chill, we got it. Um, I spent, I mean, Kara and I spent a long time trying to decipher, um, when it came to leaving camp, if God was calling us to leave and do something else, or if God was calling us to be patient. Mm. Um, and we got to the point where God's going to make, he's going to make it clear and obvious. <laughs> he's probably going to hope that we listened a lot sooner, um, <laughs> but he's going to make it clear and obvious. And, and I, mm. what I would tell somebody is if you feel like you're called into ministry, find some ways to step in and to serve. Yeah. Like test it out, try it out, see what it's all about. Um, you don't have to be a paid pastor to serve in student ministry. Um, even though I get to be in vocational ministry and get paid to do it, I could not do it without my volunteers. Sure. Yeah. Like I, I need, I need people who are not in vocational ministry just as badly as the church needs a paid youth pastor. Like I, 
I, I there are people that are serving in student ministry that I ask to be in it because they're a nurse. Like, I know you're really good at this, but you're also a nurse. And like, right. if I see blood, I will pass out. So I need to know that this is going to be handled. Um, there yeah. are people that are serving that I know have concealed carry license. Yeah. As awful as that sounds, that matters in today's world. Right. Um, they have a different thought process of securing a building than I have. Yeah. Um, so just, just knowing that, like, if you feel like you are called to serve in a ministry, do it. Don't, don't get caught up in, um, well, I'm not reading my Bible enough. Sweet. I probably, I'm probably not doing it enough either. I'm not praying enough. All right. Probably me too. I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not this, I'm not that. It, it doesn't matter. Like what I've discovered in student ministry specifically is kids just want you there. Like the consistency, the, the yeah. showing up, the, the communication, like that's what matters. They don't need you to preach to Jesus. They need you to listen and they need you to be there. And when you have the words to say, you're going to say it to them. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, Aaron, I appreciate your words, man. Uh, I, this has been such a fun journey for me. Just listen to other people. Um, uh, talk about their calling and and then just the talk about vocational ministry because it, it is something that uh, a lot of people see from the outside looking in um a lot of people see some of the glamorous stuff that happens like uh and, and sometimes they don't know um some of the harder things and and it's it's the yeah. same with it with all things i mean there are whatever whatever you want to do with life um because of the because of the fall because of sin um Work's gonna be hard. Like you're, there's gonna be toil. Yeah. Like we were, yeah. we're promised that. Yeah. And and so yeah. it's, our punishment was to labor. Yeah. <laughs> was to yeah. physical labor and and exactly. childbearing labor and all of those things. Like it. Yeah. That was a punishment. Yeah. Uh, and so vocational ministry doesn't avoid. Like we don't. You don't get a pass. Like and so yeah. so I think it's I I think it's fun. It's good to be able to just to pull back that curtain a little bit too for people to see and to to hear and listen uh, to that. So so I thank you for sharing. Yeah. Uh, thank you for uh, for being a little sure. bit vulnerable. Um, you know, obviously not throwing all yeah. your junk out on the <laughs> on the internet yeah. for all yeah. to see, but but definitely opening up a little right. bit there. Um, so I do thank you, and yeah. I also have to tell you that you've been called out. Uh, and so ah, excellent. <laughs> I appreciate you joining me. Uh, and, uh, for those that are listening, uh, we do appreciate you, you listening. Um, we, I, I don't know how often I'll be doing this, but, uh, I'm trying, I'm doing, trying to do it weekly right now. So, uh, tune in next week. If you enjoyed this one, also check out the first ones with my friend, Jim, my friend, Travis, um, to hear some different perspective on ministry. Uh, and I hope you have just whatever, whatever you got going on. I hope that, uh, uh, your week goes well uh, and that uh, you're you're chasing after God with all you got.